Welcome to the Blackout Show, presented by the Guillen Grid, a show about the Chicago White Sox baseball, the good, the bad, the ugly. We'll debate what's working and what's not on the south side of Chicago. It's old school versus new school baseball. And most importantly, we're keeping all the receipts. of the blackout show i'm back to my government name i am not jay targaryen anymore i am justin lee i'm here with chris gonzalez and oj Azigian jr now gonzo you got a lot of things in common with bruce bochi like the way you walk the way you handle your starting rotation but uh the biggest similarity at least lately is you're still pissed off about some obstruction call last night apparently can you go uh, deeper into that well, I'm not as pissed off as AJ is about it because I feel like New York has finally given us a call, finally in the right direction here. Wow. Now, was it on, correct? Was it correct? Call on the field? Absolutely not. And, and this is why this is why this show was created so that I can call out White Sox fans. Are you guys really keeping track on how many calls they've gone against you guys? I what calls? That, I'm saying though, what 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 calls have they gone against you guys that have cost you guys games that were as bad as this call that just happened? And you it wasn't what? a bad call. The fact that they made an obstruction, that's that's why it's bad. It's not bad that they, they could have said that he was safe, and it is what it is. It was that close. But the fact that they said that it was an obstruction play by the umpire, by the home plate catcher, by the catcher at the home plate. It, it was just wrong. It was just the wrong call. That's why you can see Bochy going off. And Bruce is not a guy that really argues calls. Uh, but you can definitely tell that he was upset and, and definitely gave the Sox the win on that one. Uh, but, yeah, that was a really, really bad not, – not call. It was a really, really bad way to interpret when you could have just gone with a safe and let it be. Right. Yeah. Now, Eloy just gave the Sox a one nothing lead. And um, no one has chosen Elo yet for the pick to click, but we'll get to that later. Um, but yes, Junior, you're absolutely right. Um, and that situation, like it, it shouldn't be called for to go to an obstruction call, because when you go back and look at it, um, Hem was giving him the front half of the bag for uh, Elvis to slide into, and then the, th- the throw drew him, you know, into the collision or not collision, but drove him more so into the base path of Elvis, which is not obstruction. Um, unfortunately, or fortunately for us, it went to our, it went right for us, but, uh, we were lucky. Um, and I don't know why that, you know, they didn't, they should have just focused on the play at the plate. That's what the replay was for. It shouldn't be 
called for obstruction. That should not be a, um, you shouldn't go back and change it, you know, the call in the field for, you know, violation of the base path that wasn't there at all. If it would have been the other way around, White Sox fans would have still been crying. Every time they lose a game in extra innings, they still go back. That's the worst rule ever. <sighs> and they cry on Twitter every, every single time. Again. I'm not going to lie. Uh, most of the uh, the calls that went against the White Sox this year have been the calls to the fucking bullpen. Those are the only calls that hurt us this year. No. So By the way, if I was if I was an umpire and a White Sox player trying to complain about the strike zone, I would be like, hey, how about those errors that you guys made? And you're complaining about that because you're making me be here longer. I would literally talk back to them. I literally would. I'd say, hey, you guys haven't walked. Worst walk rate in the league. I think you guys don't know the zone. Stop arguing balls and strike, guys. Yeah. I think uh, and you bring up a good point, OJ, because, like, when was the last White Sox player you've seen outside of maybe Grundahl the last three years that had a command of the strike zone? Like, None. owned I, I t- the strike zone. I, like, owned the strike zone other than Grundahl. Uh, man, Abreu, even Abreu, even during his good times, I think Abreu had a, had a horrible command of the, zone, of the strike zone. And when I'm talking about a good command, I'm taking, like, Jim Tomey's of the world, Joey Votto, uh, guys that when you see them argue, Grandal has a really, really good knowledge of the zone. You know, he doesn't swing a lot of bad pitches. But today, maybe Ben Attendee has probably the best uh, Benny. Uh, maybe Gavin Sheets at times. But other than that, uh, it's it's a free – you could be a free-swinging team but have knowledge of the zone. The Sox are not great at the knowledge. That's why they have the, the worst o, uh, on-base percentage – uh, in Major League Baseball. I know that on-base percentage is not a big uh, staff for analytical guys um, because it doesn't have a capital F or a little F in front of it. Uh, but if you put, like, you know, like in the new analytics, have like a capital letter in front of it for, like, war, like a little W or a big W. But since o- o- since uh, on-base percentage is an old-school stat, they don't really pay attention to it. But in reality, that's a big problem, man. They're not getting on-base. They're not getting on-base at, at, at very, very alarming rates. So, again, that, that means they're not commanding the zone. I think, personally, and this is going to be a joke, obviously, that the eye pitch needs to work more on their on them working the strike zone for them. The eye pitch really needs to hone in on that for them. Yeah. On balls and strikes. And, guys, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to put into the chat, you know, the chance to get an Aussie photo. And the question for our chat is, who deserves to be an all-star and why from this roster this year? The best, uh, and it doesn't have to be a player, doesn't have to be a player. If you give me a really good, like Jason Benetti should be an all star because blah 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 blah, or so and so should be an all star, and and it's a it's we deem it's the best answer, we'll roll we run with that. If you you know, you got to give us a good answer, yes, give us a good answer. I know Rustin, Rustin here in the chat put Robert Jr., Rustin, give us your uh, your best explanation for uh, Robert as. Currently, he's not even in the starters for the updated voting, which is surprising. So. Whoa, that, why is that? Why, why is that surprising? The White Sox were never in the in the leaders of voting when they used to draw fans to the to the stadium. You're like eight percent down from last year. Why would why would he be anywhere near in the voting of anything? Numbers wise, he should be there. He's not famous but again. Rustin's gonna give us you know his best explanation for Robert, but. I mean, you got Team Cando just putting all Blue Jays in there, so. But again, Blue you know. Jays are drawing. They got a whole country, okay? They got yeah. 
Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is a very popular player around the world. Bo Bichette is a very good player around the world. White Sox fans need to realize that their whole mantra on their players were famous and they were, if this was like four years ago, all the White Sox players would have been getting a lot of votes because it was like, oh, they're so cool. They're so popular. They're amazing because no one had ever seen them playing on a consistent basis. Now the story is, oh, those guys that used to be cool who can't play baseball very well. That's the storyline nationally. I know that, I know that national news and Chicago don't go well together, that everybody's like in a bubble in Chicago and anything they hear about national news, they freak out. But national news, that's the storyline. Oh yeah, oh that team that used to be that that used to have really like promising players that sucks now. There's no one that's popular. The, the whole TA thing, oh TA's popular, that ended at the World Baseball Classic. That's not even the case now. It's just Major League Baseball trying to tell you. So there's a lot of more popular players out there. And the All-Star game is a popularity contest, guys. I don't care. People don't look at stats. You think people look at the at the ballot and say, oh, I'm gonna go vote as a stat. No, they vote for you know, they vote for their favorite players. It's it's a popularity contest. Yeah. Like you've seen, uh, it was on the graphic, like Martin Maldonado, he's hitting like 190, but he was like fourth among catchers on the vote. Correct. Like, yeah, they don't, they don't really care. They just want to get their guys in. And the more, the more fanfare you got around the country, like it's just not people that live in Houston that's voting for Maldonado. No, the guy's been in a couple World Series. They see his name. It's like, oh, that guy, that guy throws people out. Machete. Yeah, I I, th- I think I think from that standpoint, it's more of a marketing thing. You know, there was a time where Frank Thomas couldn't even lead the the voting. He's the best player in Major League Baseball. I just don't think that White Sox fans and voting go hand in hand together. Like you're not going to win uh, a position. When was the last time a position for the White Sox won straight up? Like you just got voted into play. Probably Mags. Uh, I don't think Mags was ever a starter at the game. Damn, Frank wasn't either. No, no, I think Frank was like, I think maybe a couple, maybe once or twice, but I don't think, I don't think there's been many White Sox starting. I, I know my dad was ever a starter, like, he got taken, but he was ever in the starting lineup. Was Kyle Ripken was a starting shortstop, wasn't TA the starter again? TA was a starter in probably the year they won the batting title and the highest point of his fame. Was that the Colorado All Star game? And he should have. Like, he was probably the best shortstop at the moment and probably the most popular. Yeah. And Russ here says, system is rigged for fan voting. Might as well be an elementary school election. Look at the year the Royals hosted the All-Star game. Yeah. Rustin's right. Uh, the White Sox, they, after 2005, they, the 2006, we, they took, like, seven guys to the All-Star game. Probably the most ever in White Sox history because they were a hot team. They were popular and – they were playing really good, and uh, they got a lot of votes in. And, and Ozzy took as a manager, he said, "I'm taking every single player that I can." And he was critiqued for it. And he was like, "I don't care if I if I have a roster spot, I'm taking a White Sox player over anybody else. Why not?" Yeah, yeah. The MLB needs to redo, change up at least for marketing, voting for the stuff, and uh, also probably change the voting for the Hall of Fame because that's been pretty abysmal in my opinion for quite some time now um and by the way before you lead us to the next topic yep because i'm gonna have to jump off and strike out some a bunch of kids damn in a few seconds yeah i'm about to break some hearts out here i, I didn't know i had to umpire today but i'm actually jumping in and uh, and helping out my assigners um grafol's grounds all i gotta say is 
you can I can I don't care who you manage like who your manager plays because the only answer a manager has to give anyone of why this person's hitting in this position is I am the effing manager and it's and it's my lineup. Okay. When you get into trouble is when you start making dumb explanations of saying that Jake Berger is still going to get four at bats, yet nobody in that position has gotten four at bats. And you start saying things like, this guy runs the base as well, is when you get yourself in trouble and people think that you're full of shit. That's the only word I can use. I'd rather Pedro just say, this is my lineup and I dreamt it. I was having some pancakes and this is what I went with. Whatever it is, because he is the manager and it's his name on that lineup and he can hit anyone wherever he wants. I think it's funny and I love laughing because people like Chris Gonzalez, people on NBC Sports, when 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 he used words like horizontal vertical and that he was analytical, they got so excited. It's probably the most excited they've been in a very long time in their life, okay, during that presser. And his lineups are less analytical than Earl Weaver's, okay? His he he there is no analytics in those lineups. It, it, Ozzie Guillen's lineups look like he he created the algorithm on how unanalytical his lineups are when they're doing. Tony La Russa looks like he invented analytics compared to like his lineups, and he was supposed to be the old guy. Again, I don't care because I I think that he's a great baseball. Like I think he knows the game, and that's his lineup, and it is what it is. But I think it's funny that everyone thought he's gonna be this analytical guy, and his lineups are so far from analytical. And now the fact that he is defending them in such a bad way, I think that's a bad look for him because, again, lineups are going to get questioned even when they're good lineups. But him just coming up with those nonsense instead of him just saying, hey, man, this is my lineup. Deal with it. This is how I'm riding. This is my team. I'd rather have him say that than come up with some dumb excuse of why Berger's hitting eighth or seventh or whatever the hell he's hitting. Because the only spot he deserves to be hitting if it's analytical-wise is third, and that's it. Third every day in the lineup. I don't care who he has to bench. That's just the reality of it. And that's my take on the Pedro while I leave. Yeah. Oh, and I have one more. Gonzo, have you seen uh, Diekman's stats in, in Tampa? No. I, I saw the blurb that you texted us in the group uh, chat. You, you, should, you should look it up. We wanna, if, you want, if you want to ruin your afternoon, just, just look, you'll still look them up. Wow. They're very good, Justin. They're very good. Yeah, I know. Oh, I know. So I don't know what they did, but but they're very good. So again, that's my take on Pedro. Sorry that I have to bow out. I have to go break kids' hearts. Get yelled at by parents. Hey, go toss someone. Go toss someone out for me. All right. I make will do wor- that. Make it worthwhile. Dude, yeah. by, by the way, I will not go to uh, call obstruction. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Can you call obstruction for me? Jesus yeah. Christ. You All right, Jay. You know what time you're out. Ozzy Junior out. Fall grounds in. You know, I don't have a problem making decisions. I don't have a problem making a call on a, you know, on a on a pitcher. I don't have a problem making a call on, a, on you know, on a, whatever our team needs at this particular moment. <laughs> I just thought about Jay instead of catcher interference or obstruction. Let's get some runners interference called these days, you know, make it even. A lot of these base runners are running sideways, Gonzo. I seen, uh, <laughs> what was that yesterday? 
uh, Ellie De La Cruz made a wide turnaround first. The man was running halfway into center field on his way to second base. I don't know how the hell you're in the outfield grass making a turn from first, but here we are. You see these guys inside the baseline, especially down the – now it's pretty smart to me. If I'm a base runner, I'm commanding the third baseline because that nine times out of ten, uh, people use that as the alleyway to make a throw to bases. But these people are running sideways, Gonzo. I don't understand what's going on. When you can, when you have the speed of Ellie De La Cruz, you can do anything you wish on the base path, Justin. That kid is freaky fast. But yeah, yeah go, go ahead. ahead. No, I was just going to say, uh, like, go back to the 05 and 06 White Sox teams. Like, they prepared every day to kick your ass. Sometimes Robin Ventura prepared to kick your ass. Even Rick Renteria prepared every night to kick your ass. Is this the only White Sox team that is unprepared to kick someone's ass now that we've seen in the last, let's just say, seven years, ten years? It's very Ricky-like, Ricky Renteria-like, which I mean, you can go back and forth on who would you rather have with Griffal or Ricky, but um, regardless, even to help kick your ass, he needs the help of New York to do so. So this is Griffal's Grounds, and Justin on Monday versus the same Texas Rangers, game one. You know, I, I don't know if it's Katz or Griffal, um, strat, you know, strategizing against the opposing hitters, but I was kind of frustrated watching Bummer pitch around. I think it was Garcia. And then, you know, the next guy gets a base hit, and they end up loading the bases um, against Haim, and then Haim drives in, I think two or three it was. And it's just frustrating frustrating to watch you know the approach which is just basically pitching to lose at that point with pitching around guys when you're you know have a lead it's for this team right now that's 11 games under 500 I just don't understand it why not be aggressive when you have that lead and you know pitch right at hitters and make them make the outs it's um, a frustrating concept to watch you know these guys pitch around some of these guys in these line, lineups when you have a lead and um, can give it up in any moment. So again, for me, it's pitching to lose in these moments. And as a pit, you know, as a fan of the pitching opponent to the game, it's concept, I should say, it's very frustrating. Uh, what has your thoughts been about that? You know, that game on Monday? Uh, well, yeah, you're absolutely right. And you, you're going to a guy in Aaron Bummer. I kind of feel sorry for my man because he looks absolutely dejected every time he takes the mound. Why are you putting a man that has no confidence in not only himself, but his stuff? And then you're going to ask him, because that, that came from the bench mm-hmm. to pitch around, uh, to pitch around Adolis. Why are you bringing in a lefty to pitch around Adolis? If you if you're expecting Garcia to expand the zone, why wouldn't you get somebody in that could throw a high, at least a ball, uh, two or three strikes in a sequence when need be? Because you you're not gonna just completely walk the guy if you're if you're expecting him to expand the zone. So I have a problem with that. Number two, uh, to get off of Monday's game, he did the same thing yesterday, and he asked Aaron Bummer to pitch to Corey Seager. Why? The bases are loaded at that point. So any contact could hurt you. 
a wild pitch can hurt you. Like the first two balls to Seeger were completely out of the zone. He couldn't even get an offer. Seeger spit on both of them. The first strike bummer through Seeger dumped it right in front of Luis Robert for a two run single. Like you cannot keep putting the game in these guys' hand. Now, granted, I understand crochet's on the shelf. I understand Liam's on the shelf. But at a certain point, what's the difference between Santos facing Seeger in that spot than Aaron Bummer? You went to the worst bullet in the gun because he's left-handed? Are you serious? Yeah. Especially, I think it was the next, I forgot who it was that he was up against, but he kept... And he kept calling, I think it was Grandal. I can't remember if it was Grandal. I think it was probably Grandal. It wasn't Sebi, but he kept throwing that slider, the hanging slider. And I don't know why you're not just driving that sinker in, you know, when you're trying to get outs. You know, what's easier to hit, the hanging slider or the sinker coming down and in? Like, Yeah. Like, if you, if you got, if you, if you, if you get, if you got a lefty like Aaron Bummer who gets some, some great arm side run, even when he's bad, he gets good, good run on his sinker. Wouldn't you be more comfortable calling for that to run away from Seeger's barrel instead of throwing at calling for sliders that's going to slide right into his bat path? Like, thank God the first two sliders were so far off the plate that Seeger couldn't even, you know, offer at it. Because what if it would have leaked out even on the outer third? He probably could have pushed it right over the left center field bleachers. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. I, I just question a lot of this stuff. Like, I, I don't want to be one of those, like, I'm out on Grafal guys. But at a certain point, if I could pick up a fucking PlayStation remote and manage the team, you got to do something, bro. And you know you, you know what these people are doing with these PlayStation remotes. Now we got billionaires stuck <laughs> two miles beneath the goddamn Earth's surface. Leave it up to the rich to fuck things up 111 years later. Yeah, sick. But regardless of that, Bummer has been doing great too lately. So I just, yeah, the whole pitching approach lately has been off. And, you know, Justin, we kind of saw a little bit yesterday with Cease because he was, I think, through four innings. He had like 46 pitches. He was on a roll. And then in the fifth, you know, a guy gets on and then we, you know, we start pitching around guys, and next thing you know, we're in a position where you got bases loaded, and Cease has to get out of it, which he did. But then, again, in the sixth inning, you know, similar approach happens where because he had that one high pitch inning, you know, his pitch count's already high, and then you you again you start to uh, drive, uh, or I think he walked someone, and then a base hit, and you get two runners on, and you know, he's pitching around people in that inning too. So it's just frustrating how they just take their foot off the gas pedal and their approaches. And next thing you know, you know, he's has a tied game in a performance where he struck out nine and only had two walks. Like he, he had a really exactly. great, great performance versus a division leader and, and Huger and the Texas Rangers. And um, yeah, just all around frustrating um, to see those performances wasted. And again, hard. like Lance Lynn goes seven innings, <laughs> strikes out 16, ends up losing. 16. <sighs> Sad. And, and you, I don't understand why people don't 
realize that you cannot be economical nibbling the strike zone. It's impossible because you have no you have no command of getting strikes. You're throwing balls and you're waiting on the hitters to turn them into strikes. That's not the case. Like you just said it right there, Gonzo. Uh, Cease was pretty efficient through four because he wasn't nibbling and he was on top of 90% of the hitters that he was facing. Once the fifth and sixth came around, that's when you started seeing the secondary and the subsurface, uh, you know, opening uh, at bats with breaking balls and going away from fastballs in the fastball counts. Like you're pitching to guys like Corey Seager, Adolis Garcia, and Jonah Heim, who are actively uh, seeing more pitches than they ever have in their career. That's the Bruce Bochy model. We're gonna wait. We're gonna wait you out and be patient. Mm-hmm. And it, and ultimately, it worked because I mean, Cease threw a hell of a game, and he couldn't even get a decision. It's not like they were even having hard contact against him either yesterday. You know, I, I mean, the Dolies had a Dolies had a double and a homer, but I mean, everybody yeah. else was just slapdick. Yeah, I mean, only, Cease only gave up five hits in those six innings. So. Yeah. Now, Justin, we have top of the third here with Cope. We had some at, trouble. Cope at 49 pitches, two and two-thirds. Uh, two guys on, two outs, obviously. But uh, your boy, Nate Lowe, he starts off the at-bat with a fastball high in the zone, goes a slider in, um, change up away, and he flicks one right over to – oh, Ben, how you get there? Oh, he got it. What? Oh my God, Justin! Did you see that? Mm-hmm. Did he bow yeah. it off off the fence? It was like I a, thought he a caught super, that. It was a super trap. Here we go. I got the replay here. Did he catch it off the fence? Oh, he did. Yeah. Fuck. It was a super trap. <laughs> oh man. Well, you know, I gotta admit, there on the third pitch of that bad change up, you know, down away. It was a good pitch by Kopech and just lucky that uh, Nate Lowe just flicks at it and, you know, it just goes right over the head of uh, Benintendi, which looks like Benintendi actually had a good read on that, but he just lost it up in the, yeah, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, the sun there in left field. Until, yeah, the, the twilight caught him. But uh, even, even to your point, that change up away was something that Nate Lowe could handle. Mm-hmm. So Nate was probably, how could I say, he was better equipped for that change up away than a four seamer right underneath his hands in that situation. And we got to get, we got to get back to, we have some hard throwers in yeah. our rotation with Kopech and Cease. They need to use their fastball as an imposing pitch instead of just like a high octane get me over. And Justin, like to that point there, that was a one, one change up. Like I'd rather see that one, two when you're, you know, ahead in your account. Not mm-hmm. one, one. I want to see that one, one fat, go back to the, you know, the first pitch up in the zone, give him that fastball up, make him pop it up or at least follow, you know, foul tip it. So you have one, two count. Then you go, then you go to that change up low and away. Um, we got to execute that change up one and two. You can't just, you know, dibble dabble it out there or, or else you're going to get a pitch that, you know, Nate can handle. Yeah. Um, like you, you, a one, one change up 
in order for it to be effective, it has to be thrown for a strike. And we're talking about it in regards to Michael Kopech. A one-two changeup doesn't have to be a strike. Mm-hmm. So you're absolutely right in that regard because it's like throwing, putting yourself in position to throw consistent strikes helps. Don't get me wrong. It helps. But in a situation like that, I if I if I am in a position to give Nate Lowe a strike in a run producing situation, nine times out of ten he's gonna get me. He's gonna yeah. get me because it it's already two outs. So it's do or die. He's not gonna try to leave it up. I mean, I understand I got a dolly sitting on deck circle, but there's too much meat on the bone for me as a hitter. So and again, you have two two, and you just threw another slider out to make it a full count. Like, I don't understand. Not a lot of guys are going to hit your fastball. Like, why are we scared to throw the fastball in the count that is predictable for it when normally they can't touch you with it? Like, I don't, I don't understand it. Now you're behind the count three two, and you know you throw another slider away, and all Adolis has to do is take it, and you got bases loaded. Or. What if I give you a four-seamer right at my kneecaps? <laughs> oh, <laughs> there we go. Strike three right at the knees. There we go. Good call, Justin. Good call. Right Just straighten them up a little bit. That's all. Straighten them up. All right, Justin. Last point here. Good falls grounds. Um, last Thursday. Cease was pitching one hell of a jam out there in uh, Los Angeles. Um, he goes six innings, strikes out, or no, he officially went five, but he was in his sixth frame, but he had 10 strikeouts and Grafal takes him out for Lopez in the sixth inning. And it was kind of a similar situation where not a lot of good contact against Cease. And, um, you got, you know, I think he had one out and ends up walking one and guy, guy hits like a, you know, a uh, just flicks his wrist, I believe, and gets out to the outfield. Two guys on, one out, and goes to Lopez. Lopez gets a uh, fly out for the second out, and the next guy up behind him hits a uh, right between short or third. Shortstop and third ends up being bases loaded. And then, um, you know, we obviously saw the rest with uh, the grand slam um, and that outing and ties it at four in the six. Sox lose five to four. Walk us through that, you know, within that situation, if you felt like it was the right decision to take Cease out or do you leave him in? Has he, has Cease proven himself to be, you know, to Grafal to stay in there? What's your thoughts? Uh, no, he hasn't. And you could just look at the last month. Dylan Cease has been stuck on three wins. And, and you remember, Gonzo, I want to say the end of May, he was in a he was in a funk. He wasn't striking guys out, and he wasn't really competitive. Now he's throwing the ball better, but the results are the same. So no, I still have to manage him. I think it was the right decision. I wish we didn't go to fucking Ronaldo of all people, but it is what it is. It was the right decision to actually save Cease from himself. See, I'm on the opposite side of that just because. Um, we go back to that, you know, guys weren't making great contact on him in LA, haven't really hit him that hard at all. And then we get scared when 
we're not going to allow a, a guy that has proven himself the year before really prove himself to a new manager and really execute and get himself out of situations. Um, and I got to look at this. It's been a hot minute since I've looked over his pitching performances, but again, you don't even like Dylan though, anymore. You said no you said in April, which me and you we watched him struggle at home. But <clears throat> since uh, looks like since let's see mid May, had three straight starts of six innings, has a rough outing in Detroit, and it follows that up with you know in June with two of the four starts going six like. And earned runs wise, he hasn't given up anything. He's only had one outing. He's given up more than three runs, and that was in that Detroit game. But for the past month, he's only been giving up looks like one to two earned runs. So I think he's starting to turn it around. And obviously, we've seen in performances with you know, it looks like now he's starting to get that slider going for himself, which. You know, I think I did when Juan was on the show. I said, you know, if it was me, I want to see more of that knuckle curve with the fastball. And then once the slider starts, you know, sliding again, you know, you'll be able to see him throw those three pitches. And that's like, that's basically what we're starting to see here. Yeah. Which is beautiful to see because that's really that next step you want. You want him to truly throw three pitches and not just two um, to get guys out and to get longer in his outings, which through four innings, you know, the past several outings, he's had really quick innings and low pitch counts. So now you, you got, you got to, you got to start putting it all together and fully going with your efficiency, with your pitch counts in these outings and going deeper into these games. I think he's capable of it, but obviously I think it's just a matter of uh, starts throughout this month where we're going to start seeing him be more efficient, you know, with those three pitches. Um, yeah. but and that outing, I was really, I was really frustrated that Dylan wasn't given the opportunity to finish that sixth frame because that's his game to win. At that point, they weren't touching him at all. I mean, but but at, but throughout the stretch, they're all his games to win. Mm-hmm. So I mean, we, at a certain point, we got to hold Dylan Cease accountable from turning these five and two thirds innings into six solid, seven yeah. solid. You have to turn, but I think that's that's the point here. I want to emphasize on what's a better outing to do so, allow him prove himself, get to finish, you know, that six frame, than to do it when you're up four nothing, instead of watching your lead vanish to a four four game with evaporated Lopez. instantly evaporated. Like you go from a win that you have the accountability to have versus a reliever blowing it and him, you know, costing and getting the loss and that outing. Like, Lopez shouldn't be put in that situation, and Grafal needs to start, you know, finding that player that he's that's going to be his ace because um, obviously they're the majority. We had Lynn getting injured last year. He, he ended up coming back in, you know, end of, end of June, but – Cease was your predominantly ace through the last year. And Grafal needs to find someone that he, he can be held, you know, he can hold someone accountable in this rotation because pretty soon here you're probably going to trade Geo. So um, you need to find someone and someone not only for this year, but, you know, the future years 
of what is going to be your next contention window. And that's if you do keep, you know, cease, but I hope they do. Um, but for me, Justin, I can't emphasize it enough. I felt like that was a perfect outing to give him the shot to get those final well, two it was, outs. It was, it, was, it was definitely a good opportunity to see, you know, is Dylan Cease still Mark Rock? Forget about the four or the four and a half ERA. He was at like a 4.47 at the time. It's been dropping dramatically with every start. But is this the guy that can bridge me? Because you got to think the bullpen is the worst element of the organization right now. I think it's the farm system, then the bullpen, then Jerry Reinsdorf. That's the biggest problems I have in the in the uh, organization. Dylan Cease had an opportunity to take a little bit of pressure off of that. And I, yeah. and I mean, to your point, Pedro didn't give, give him that opportunity, but has Dylan Cease earned it within his last, you know, let's just go back to his previous two starts or three starts before uh, this one that we're talking about. I don't think, I don't think he has. I just don't think he's been given the opportunity late in those frames to really prove it, you know? So I feel he, like I feel like the arrow's up because you obviously see in the past month the outings have been getting to those six frames. Um, and you see, like like I said, you see the finally he's thrown efficiently those three pitches, not just two. Like you're seeing certain things that's going up with him. Um, where if I was the manager, I'd be having a little bit more confidence in going towards him. Because I, I do, like you said, if the bull, that bullpen's been a struggle ever since the ending of the Miami series because before that they were on fire. Now your bullpen lost confidence. You need to have your guys start eating more innings so you don't have to put as much onto your bullpen, especially with guys getting injured too with Crochet and Hendricks. Um, for me, it's, again, it's frustrating not seeing him having more confidence in, in, in his rotation because, again, you're seeing guys getting better and better here with Kopech. You know, he's been on fire the past month with Cease, and now you finally have a guy like Lance Lynn going seven, striking out 16. And Lance had himself before that the last two outings. I think he had a three or four straight outings before that that he was starting to turn himself around. So you're seeing a little bit, you're seeing a little bit more out of this rotation. You, you need to have a little bit more faith, especially if you do deem yourselves contenders in this division. You need to start, you know, allowing your rotation to go deeper to save yourself here. Give yourself a, be a better fight for getting a W as the innings go along in the game. Yeah, like I think Pedro is putting a lot of emphasis on high leverage, where he's letting the hoping the bullpen avail him out at a high leverage. When in fact, how many times have we seen that, you know, in a situation to where okay, there's runners on or whatever, Michael Kopech is the best option to get me out of this situation. And he's the guy that got me in the mess, but that's the guy that has the best opportunity to get me out of the situation. For example, the conversation we just had about Dylan Cease, Dylan Cease was the best pitcher in the stable to put out the fire at the time, but Pedro Grafal elected to go to the bullpen. Mm -hmm. So does Pedro Grafal trust his ro rotation in high leverage situations? That's going to be the question that's got to be answered within the next month or so. Again, so this is probably going to go to what Junior was saying with analytics because you know for sure that analytically 
the analysts out here are going to say don't don't trust the rotation going to the third. Yeah, round I was going to say lineup. they hate. Why do they hate the third the third go around <laughs> in the in the lineup? Because they see more. I don't care. I don't care what you see. You still ain't been hitting. They look Lance at the Lynn batting had average. Sixteen strikeouts. You think yeah. you give a fuck about the third time through the order? They see the numbers of the third line and they get scared about them. But I think I mean. Again, it dep- you got to play it situationally. Where are you at in the lineup going through that third round in? You know, are you going into your sixth or seventh frame and you're at the bottom of their order? Like, I don't care if the bottom of their order, if I'm going through them the third time around with that starting pitcher, because more likely than not, I'm going to get through the, you know, I want to get through those, you know, those outs at the bottom of the order for my bullpen to, go, you know, face the top hitters of their lineup than, you know, going right to the bullpen, wasting outs on the bottom of the order. Um, again, it's very situational, but um, frustrating. Yeah, it, it's frustrating as hell because you got to think without Liam and Crochet, how many bullets do you got left? Why are you why are you wasting Graveman on a seven, eight, nine hitters when you just going to roll around to the top in the next frame? Why are you doing that? Yeah. And Justin, we got top of the fourth here, one out, guy at first, 0-2 count. Again, we're talking about the bottom of the order, and that's what we got right now, Seven, seventh hitter at the plate, and Kopex at 71 pitches. Um, this is going to be what, a frustrating. Uh, three, three and two-thirds? Three and a third. Three and a third. Oy. Yeah, I yeah. You're probably going to be lucky to have um, Kopech get to the, the fifth and he just yeah. gives up a home run. Did, no, no, he stop. Hold on. If you're just tuning in, I don't believe what Gonzo just said, so I got to check my own damn phone. And he gave up a two-run <laughs> shot to Ezekiel Duran. Are you kidding Your me? boy Duran, he throws a hanging slider. Right down the heart of the plate. Yeah. Durant didn't miss it. And Robert almost made the catch there at the railing by your seats over there and the bleachers. I don't um, think Luis Robert got any hops. I'm just going to say that. I think you're going to surprise yourself with that clip right there because uh, he showed a little bit of it. Um, <clears throat> but that will uh, wrap us up on Grafal's grounds, Justin. And um, we're going to roll here into Southside Daily. This is disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. I didn't believe you when he said when you said Andy just gives up a home run. I'm like, no. So let's just let's just go through the sequence real quick. Single, two run homer, walk, podcast complaining about pitch count and efficiency. There's a lot happening right now. Uh, We're we're just we're just ruining these guys by giving this game feed right now. Because we're calling out the BS right now, and it's happening. Oh, my God. Did you see that last cut by Tavares? He's not fooling nobody now. 
And and uh, I don't. Do you remember opening week against the Giants when they teed off for like six home runs off of him? Me and uh, King Mac was at the game. I have never strained my neck that much to see balls sail over my head. Pause. Like Michael Kopech made me break my neck to follow the fucking meatballs that he was giving up to the Giants, and now he's doing the same thing to the poor people at the rate today. Yeah, again, it's just it's that whole part of getting ahead that Michael's Michael's been getting ahead of these guys, but you're not. It's just a pitch sequence that you're not putting him in the best position. And I feel like whenever I see Sebi back there, it's always it's always peach uh, peach pitch sequence for me with uh, Sebi behind the dish that drives me nuts. Um, and again, you just can't. You're not really putting him in the best situation to finish these at bats, nor are you. Um, you know, when you do put him behind the ball on some of these pitches that he's not even executing them either. So it's really a, a battle of the two that are just L's across the board. Um, but before we get into our uh, giveaway here, uh, we're going to go through the schedule here coming up. Um, hey, Justin, your boys, your second favorite team's coming to town. My step feel- team. How do you feel about the Sox? Uh, you have your a uh, what's the word that you created for your? Uh... Oh yeah, well, my boss bisexualness is taking a hit to, uh, this week. Um, I actually feel I feel bad for the Red Sox because they're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, it's always series like this where you've seen the White Sox do it over the years against the Yankees. Now we're going to see it this weekend against the Red Sox where the White Sox play up to their competition. They're all, they're all, don't get me wrong. They're chasing two runs today to the Rangers. But for the most part, at offensively and on a competitive level, they've actually played some okay baseball. Mm-hmm. Now don't get me wrong. The Red Sox are absolutely scolding hot. Uh, I think they're on an eight-game winning streak. They're about to uh, curb stomp the Twinkies again, but I just feel like the White Sox got a great opportunity to get some good momentum going into next week, and it starts with winning a series against my Bo Sox. You think they're going to take the flame out of the Bo Sox, Justin? Uh, well, there is no flame. We could go. The Red Sox are going a ten-game winning streak and still be in third and a half. <laughs> In the American League East. So, I mean, it is what it is. I just need the White Sox to be about three and a half games back by all-star break. Because then things are going to get sticky. Yeah. It's going to get sticky. So, Southside Daily, we're going to start off a three-game series versus the Boston Red Sox at home Friday through Sunday. Friday's matchup is going to be Giolito versus Bello. Um, honestly, that's, I like what I've seen out of Bello since he's got, gotten the call. He's not walking anybody. And it's weird no. for a guy like him because he's a traditional four pitch pitcher, but at his age, it's hard to control all four pitches at the same time. And when you got him and Giolito going up against each other, that's the battle of the changeups right there. That is two all-star level changeups going toe to toe. That's going to be a nice, uh, pitcher matchup Friday, Gonzo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And uh, and then Saturday, we got Lance Lynn versus 
Baxton, James Baxton, the lefty, the southpaw. He, yeah. he's, he hasn't been too shabby either, Justin, in his outings lately. He's no, guy, he's been absolutely spectacular. He's a guy I picked up in fantasy to help me through some of these, you know, weeks. Um, and that's going to, I think that's going to be my favorite duo this week, Lance Lynn versus Baxton, just because I want to see how Lance Lynn bounces back from that performance he had in Seattle. Um, although that lineup in Boston, that can cause you issues. Um, but you just got to keep them off balance. Um, we'll see if uh, Lance Lynn can go about his ways of what he did in Seattle and changing the eye level, changing the speed of his picture of his pitches to really get guys over the top of their toe, their front toe. Um, it's going to be an interesting matchup, but I'm excited for it. And then Sunday you're going to have, I don't know who Crawford is. You're going to help me out. Justin. Uh, Cutter, Craw- Cutter Crawford. He's like a hybrid opener. Like he, he's a bullpen guy, but he, he has like a 60 pitch limit every time he starts. So he's one of those guys. Uh, he he threw the ball well against Minnesota. Uh, what was that yesterday in a bullpen day? So th- that's another matchup that you got to keep your eye out on because not only are you going to see you're going to see the White Sox go toe to toe with the try to match blow for blow with the Red Sox offense, but you're going to get into that Red Sox bullpen early Sunday, mm-hmm. really early. You got to take advantage. Right. Um, and again, Sox have an undecided matchup there. Um, as I think he's going to throw out Tanner Banks again to start off in that duel on the bump there uh, for the series on Sunday, um, which that would be frustrating if it's a, you know if they both win one game going into that three game series because you're going to have a bullpen day basically for the for the series. For w. Yeah. yeah. Like the, the the rubber matches four flat tires, <laughs> <laughs> like that'd be that'd be deflating as hell. You go, you have like spectacular performances Friday and Saturday, then Sunday's the dud. Yeah, but a guy we gotta watch out for. He's gotta be. He should be up there in the All Star voting. I haven't really looked at their baseman in a hot minute, but Devers adding two thirty eight, seventeen home runs, fifty seven ribbies, and then. Yoshida has a slash line of 308, 379, and 488. Um, Justin, talk us through your your second favorite team coming into this. Well, right now, the Boston Red Sox are an OPS monster. Like, if you look at what they're doing tonight in Minnesota, like Justin Turner is probably the best hitter in Red Sox history at this point. The man, hold on, let me tell you what he's doing tonight. So, just tonight. He's two. He he's two for two with a walk, uh, a solo home run, RBI sing, uh, two RBI singles, and it's only like the fifth inning. He's been on a fucking heater since touching down in Minnesota. That's a guy you got to watch out for. Tristan Casas, our first baseman, is heating up too. That's the guy that uh, who doesn't mind getting into deep counts. So, like we talked about, pitchers wanting to nibble. That's a situation that doesn't bother him because he's a patient hitter anyway. Uh, Connor Wong, the the catcher, he's been playing some outstanding baseball on both sides. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned Verdugo already. He's been killing it. Duvall is healthy and back. Uh, Rafi has been kind of weird because he's been he's been an out machine 
But if you look at his box score, the numbers are still there. Top 10 in home runs, top 10 in RBIs. I mean, the 250 clip, yeah, whatever you could say about that. But the numbers are still there. Even though the Red Sox are, are they, I, I think we're still in last place. I don't know. Um, we're still in last place. But the offensive numbers suggest that they, if they weren't in the American League East, they could probably be a top five team in the American League. Yeah. Out there in the AL Central, they'd be taking that division. Yeah, the division to be over with. Yeah. All right. Over. Second series of the week is going to be uh, Sox are going to be on the road in Anaheim versus the Angels. Monday's outing is going to be Cease versus Berea, which we didn't. I thought we were going to see that earlier in the year when the Angels were here at home. Um, but they switched up the you know the series matchups, and now we're going to get them on Monday. Um, that's going to be a nice outing. Obviously, you know we saw how Cease did versus the Rangers. He did really well. Um, I, I'll, I'm going to be really excited to see how he does on the road in Anaheim because you know just Cease versus Otani. That's going to be um, a matchup that I think he's going to dominate them. To be honest with you, I'm definitely starting Dylan Cease in fantasy. Monday night. I promise you. Yeah, I promise you. I'm, I have him on the bench because I can't trust starting him. No. I can't, I can't do it, Justin. I can't do it. He's probably going to strike out 12, Otani twice, Trout twice, <laughs> and then everybody else. Like, the Angels are a strikeout bank. You could, you could cash in anytime you want, especially Trout these days. I like, I like Dylan Cease against the Angels. Yeah, and then Tuesday's matchup is going to be Kopech versus Dittmeers. Um, yeah, Dittmeers, the lefty. That, he threw the ball well against uh, the Dodgers last time he pitched Reed Detmers. Yeah. He threw it really well. Yeah. So with how this, you know, this is shaping up, I think the sock I know Slavko doesn't like it when we do predictions for these uh, – you know, these weekly schedules that we have. But uh, I have a feeling the Sox are going to split those two in L.A. And I'm going to have them taking two of three versus Boston. Ooh, four and two trip? Four and two, uh, ooh. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling that right now. All right. Well, I'm going I'm to be honest with you. I mean, as much as I want the White Sox to win because they need every fucking game they could get, I think yeah. the Red Sox come in and they Boston Tea Party our ass. Yeah. Um, I think they take two out of three. Although, if we could steal, if we could, if the Red Sox can somehow blow the game Friday, mm -hmm. that makes Sunday's game very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. And yeah. uh, as far as the Angels go, I'm picking the Sox to win to win both those games. Okay. So you have what three? Is that what you got? That's not uh, three and three. Uh, yeah. No, it's three. Uh, no. Wait, <laughs> my basic math, math. My math is failing me. <laughs> the math ain't mapping. If they win two games against <laughs> two games against the Angels. Yep. And they win one game against – it's three and two. All right, three and two. Whoo, fuck. 
that was kind of embarrassing, Gonzo. I'm not gonna lie. Like I, that brain fart I just had right now. So we both have three and two then. You got four. Yeah, three and two. Yeah. All right. Well, three and two. That's how we see it in these five games. Um, Justin, how about we get to the giveaway now that get it out of the way? Um, and the question is for the chat. I'm going to put it back up there. Question is, who deserves to be an all-star? Um, give us your best explanation. And so far, Russ is just throwing up Robert with no explanation. And then, Well, he did say Robert Jr., so, I mean, probably Jr.'s yeah. explanation. Robert Jr.'s explanation. And then you got Vincent and posting Robert and Berger. Um, before we give it a winner here, let's go over the all-star, you know, is there any worthy in your opinion? Luis Robert. Just, just position players. Uh, Luis Robert. That's it. Okay, so the whole burger thing, you wouldn't you don't think he deserves it? I don't think Jake Burger deserves to hit third in this lineup every day. <laughs> oh man. That's a struggle because for me I loved it. I really want to see Burger make it. Um but again, like, I don't know if it's just me, but I don't like voting for guys that are injured. So it was like hard for me to vote for Judge and uh, Alvarez because um, we don't know like if they're even going to make the All Star game with their injuries. I think Ju- I think Judge will be back. He just got the bruise. So that oblique for Jordan is a lot more serious than Houston and King Mac, who got him on his fantasy team, are taking it. Yeah. Yep. So. Again, I'll probably, but besides Judge, you know, Judge and Alvarez, you would think, and this is what frustrates me, is the fan voting. Um, I know Sox nationally don't get the love from around the country as much as people, you know, sport their White Sox hats around this country. Yeah. Um, they don't get the love. It's just, they're just a fashion icon. Um and you get no love because no one's voting for these guys, but Robert definitely deserves to be there as much as I can't stand him throwing the ball out there in center field. Um, he definitely deserves it with the bat and glove side of it. So, yeah, I do hope that uh, Alvarez, or Alvarez, I was going to say Alvarez, um, Robert makes the uh, the team here. Um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be a complete fucking travesty if Luis Robert doesn't make the all-star team, especially mm-hmm. with his – most prolific year of his career. Like, this is his career year. Right. Can you imagine Cease not making it last year and Robert not making it this year? I feel like it's going to happen, and that's going to be a complete travesty. That's okay, because I've already sent some very, uh, let's just say, unbecoming emails to Rob Manfred on behalf of Dylan Cease last year. I'm still emailing him till this day. So... Justin, I'm going to give this to you. Who's going to win the Isaac Ian signed photo? Uh, I think I think Russ is going to win because, I mean, don't get me wrong, his explanation was uh, his explanation was short, but I did appreciate the, the, the junior at the end of Robert Jr. Yeah. yeah so I'm good. thinking, so you want to, Russ, you want us to vote for Robert's son, 
Like, who is Robert Jr.? Yeah, we have to be politically correct on this show. Incredible. <laughs> oh, the- I, I support Ozzy Guillen, but I can't back the blue. <laughs> Heck, the blue. It's a, that's an umpire joke, not the is- political. Yes, don't comment us. Sox Twitter. Back oh, the blue God, is for us. Our, our boy Isaac Ian Jr. on the diamond right now. Probably about to toss some kid out for chirping at him. Um, but yeah, we're gonna you know we're gonna give this to Russ um, Vincent. Thanks for you know being in the chat, sending us your your vote and Robert and Burger. I appreciate the Burger side of it. So I was about to give it to you, but wow. I can't do it. I, I can't it. do it. I can't I do it. it. <clears throat> Vincent. There will be another shot at winning the signed photo. We're going to do more promos as the season goes along. So anybody that missed out on the on the promo, we will do more to come. But congratulations to Rustin. Um, Rustin, you got yourself a Isaac Ian signed photo coming your way, um, which reminds me I got to put in the chat our email. So I don't know it off the top of my head right now. Oh, yeah, he yeah, said, yeah. So Michael Kopeck stressing you out that much, Gonzo? Yes, Michael Kopeck. I actually would have. It's crazy. Gonzo's crazy, but I would have actually uh, thrown out Kopeck out there in the fifth. And again, again, man, this goes to what we just said earlier in the show. Your man, our man Grafal, not trusting his rotation, going to the bullpen early. When they've been used and abused for the last two weeks, you got to have some faith in your in your your rotation. Otherwise, you're going to have some more injuries in your bullpen. Um, do you agree or disagree there? Uh, I mean, I agree because there is no arm in the bullpen that was that was going to be better equipped right now to get us through this fifth inning outside of Michael Kopech. I understand the pitch count is high. I understand there's been some hard contact recently, but give the man a chance to get back in the dugout, take a deep breath, reset for a second, and go out and attack. It's not like you with his pitch count up there, all you're asking for is one extra frame. The game the game uh the game won't change if you give Kopech that extra inning. I mean, he gives up more runs, you're still losing. Yep, and as we talk, you got – again, you're you're down two. It's a 3-1 game in the fifth, runners at the corner, one out. Very tough situation for Lambert to try to get a ground ball here to get out of this, um, especially when you got Gar- Garcia and Zhang when you're trying to turn that double play. Um, we'll see if you can get out of it, Jay. But this is the time of the show that we're going to go to our picks. Justin, 
How are you going to get out of your funk, man? I'm just going to uh, put myself in better hidden counts. Okay. Uh, I've been watching some tape and pictures. I've been working me uh, on the outer third of the plate. So what I'm what I'm going to make a conscious effort to do is split the plate in half and only swing at things on the inside part of the plate. Now, if you're talking about in regards to the weekly picks, I have no fucking idea how to <laughs> fix this. It seemed right. like I just the only way I could I could win is if I stopped picking White Sox players, which isn't an option. We should give you the option to choose whoever you fucking want. Yeah. If you want to pick the opposing lineup, we'll give you that option, Jay. But no, for the up for I'm the not. updated for the updated standings, Slavko has four. Me and Junior have three, and you have one. So yes, folks, the winner from last week was Junior. OJ got his third win of the year with wow. his selection of Benintendi, which we said that if he would get a home run, we were going to give him the win. And sure enough, Andrew Benintendi in, in Seattle drives one high and out. Balls and the ball that he zone, and, and, and he drove yeah, it out say, to the right. Ball, the ball was up and out of the zone. It was closer to what Gavin Sheets hit in Tampa. Yeah. And then he hit it to the big part of the ballpark. I was like, okay, Benny. <laughs> yeah, if that was at home, he's driving that like, gosh, right into the uh, the Miller Light deck, he, like halfway up it. Yeah, damn near. Damn near. Uh, but I mean. Benny's been having a good stretch of games, like yeah. as far as uh, like all around baseball. Like you see, you see it on the base pass, you see it in the box. Whereas he's not as passive as he was, like earlier in the year. He's attacking pitches now. And and disregard the fact he hit his first home run. He actually had, out of all the Sox hitters, he had the best week. Um, the, you know this past week. So, Junior actually solely won it. Um, with that pick, Jonah Heim just hit a three-run shot to right. Stop it. Okay. Are you at that head far? Oh my god. <laughs> I'm I'm behind. Obviously, yeah. the socks are behind. Yes, the socks are behind. Um, again, don't listen to us, man. You take Kopech out. Jamie Lambert gives up a three-run shot. I'm sorry, Sox fans. This, we deserve better. At least I feel we deserve better. I don't know. This is depressing. And, like, if I wasn't feeling under the weather and I've, I've sweated all the liquid I got in my body, I'm crying right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm crying. You. It hurts. Like, Actually, Wow. Man. You, you know, I, I came into today, I was thinking we're going to win a series. You got the Red Sox coming into town. We're playing good baseball. And then reality hit. Yeah. We're going to get to this. Um, I'm getting frustrated as we go, go along here. But, uh, all right. Junior, his first selection of the week is going to be Andrew Vaughn. Uh, we'll see if he can win this week and tie Slav. But OJ is going, Andrew Vaughn, uh, our boy Slav, who couldn't make it with us today. Um, Slavko ditched us. 
Wow. I got to be straight honest. I can't believe Slava ditched us, Jay. You're sick, and our man couldn't show up to be here with us. He's going to have your ass for this. <laughs> it's okay. He'll be back next week. We'll have the whole crew back next week. But Slav is going TA. Timmy Anderson, we'll see if he comes off the DL. He's been riding the bench lately. Um, and do you think this has any um, plausibility that he's being held accountable at all, Jay? Or do you think they're strictly riding the the injury here? I mean... Because he, he what, pinched it yesterday and didn't get a shot yeah. at the starting today? I think T.A. in the doghouse. I think he's in the doghouse, too. No one's talking about it. but um, And that's frustrating because, like, either you're injured or you're not. Like, put him on the I.L., give him some rest. Or if you're going to be – if you're going to actually hold someone accountable like you did Robert, go out there and say it to the media. I don't care what T.A.'s feelings are right now. Hold someone accountable if that's what you're doing. Don't just sweep it under the rug. All this passive aggressiveness is really irritating because um, – it's like you called up Popeye not to start him. Mm-hmm. You're claiming TA's hurt, but an IL stint isn't necessary. So what's really what's going on? Like Zach Rimillard is now the greatest thing since bottled water. What gives? Yeah, what gives? Um yeah, well, no, Justin, we're going to get to this in the, after our picks because we're, we're going to have to go on one last rant before we wrap this up. But I'm going to go Luis Robert uh, for my selection this week. Um, Jay, who do you got to end it? I got Grandal. I want Grandal to win me a, a damn pick to click. Can you do that for me, Yasmani Grandal? Can you do it? Yes. Do it for Jay. Jay is dying of the flu. Yes, we need you to come through here. And folks, our selection for the week is as posted. I've got, or sorry, I've got OJ has Vaughn, Slav has TA, I have Robert Jr., and Jay has, he has Mani Grandal. And that is our selection for picks to click. And again, once again, uh, we want to congratulate Russ for winning the Aussie signed photo. We will be reaching out to you, Russ. Um, again, email us at OJ, OJ. Email us at OGBlackoutShow at gmail.com um, and you'll get your signed photo. Before we wrap it up, Jay, I think yeah. we've been really hindering at our frustration. And that is, we need to be looking at a new GM. We need to start the fire Han. I don't understand how he's still employed when you had every media outlet throwing Pedro Grafal underneath the bus. Like, why isn't that tailored to fucking Rick Han? Why isn't Rick Han gone? just from that instance alone, because that was his guy. He picked, and it's been an absolute dumpster fire. Why isn't Rick Hahn held accountable for garbage cans being lit on fire on 35th and Shields? 
why. Yeah, and I had to remove myself to come back because I got pull. I got to pull the OJ. <laughs> I, I got my three ring notebook binder and I'm going to throw up OJ's fire Han. This is wild, bro. Fire Absolutely him. Absolutely wild. So we hinted at a little bit of it, right? I tweeted about this from our show account. Why is it why is it becoming norm, normality really? to bring up a prospect high on your list, to ride him on the bench, not even start him. You're going to ride him on the bench, and occasionally he'll come in for, like, I think Popeye came in as a pinch runner, but how many times have we seen, like, you know, Sosa, Rami, when they first got called up um, to be, like, a pinch hitter? Like, most of them just ride the series on the bench and go back to Charlotte or Birmingham. And they just are only up there for the weekend to get, you know, that flair in them. Um, you had a situation, again, I, I talked about, you brought up Banks. when It was a righty that went down, so you're lacking a righty. So why don't you bring up Declan Cronin, a guy that's been tearing it up in Charlotte. So you could have had Popeye and Cronin brought up. Hell, you could even bring up Colos at, at this point, Um instead of some of these other backup options that we have right now. Like this is your opportunity to really try to retool. When the trade deadline's coming up, you're gonna be tra- you're gonna be selling. Or you should be selling. You should not, you know, give us false hope and be a buyer's when this team isn't good enough to like let's say they make the postseason, right? They ain't going anywhere. They're gonna be beat out in the first round. You're just not good enough against some of these other teams in the AL that have proven it year in, year out in the postseason. Yeah, they haven't proven anything. Like, they don't have a track record. Nothing. No, you have the same needs year in and year out, and you can't do anything. Um, out Again, a lot of people, and this frustrates me too, a lot of people are doing the same thing that they did with Tony, and they're – giving Grafal the scapegoat saying, Oh, you know, what has he done? And what's, was what this, how many game? what game number is this right now? Jay, is this, Oh, I can tell you right now, this is game number 76 In 76 games in your first year as a manager, you have a losing record. So you want to be casted a failure right away when you have the same GM, what year is this for Han? Is this 13? Yeah, 12 or 13. Whether it's 12 or 13 years, you have a losing record. And um, and you're in your contention window. You've had the same necessities at second base, right field. You can even say left field for the majority of it because you finally did – at least you got to need a Ben Tendi. But that was your biggest takeaway from this offseason. Um, you still need a, another premium arm in this rotation. Um, you have the same needs year in, year out. And we have to believe that this is a manager, that our manager is the flaw this whole time. Yeah. It hasn't been the case. All right, granted, Ricky, I think Ricky was good for developing your youth. 
but he wasn't really he they gave him one year and then they went to the next step thinking that they were you know that they were able to contend right away and that wasn't the case but regardless i don't think ricky was the, the right guy for being at the position to contend but that that was that shouldn't have been the expectation even after that one year like you still need another solid year to to really prove your you know what you truly have in your core so regardless of you know ricky's flaws tony wasn't the flaw either and neither is grafal and it's frustrating to see that as the years go by jerry doesn't have the loyalty or he has too much loyalty and you know he's not going to go away from it and he's going to allow rick to slide his way out of it the media not even go after him and this is frustrating this is truly frustrating because we need a new gm now we need a new gm now before Mm -hmm. rick Hahn ushers in the next 10 years because that could, we could we could be very well in a situation where Jerry already told Han, okay, start it over again. He did it all the time with Gar Pax. We already seen how this goes. Gar Foreman and John Paxton had unlimited opportunities in a Bulls front office, and now Rick Han and Kenny Williams are repeating that same thing for the White Sox. And you can't blame them. I mean, they can't, they're not going to fire themselves. But at a certain point, when are we going to stop holding Pedro Griffal accountable for problems that were here before Griffal? Yep. I think it's among us. Hey, listen, Jerry heard you fans last year fire Tony. Whether he had, which I believe he did have his medical issue, and that's what took him out because we know that – and I feel like Tony should still be there if if you deem this a contending team. I still feel he should be here if that's what you deemed. But regardless of that, folks, we're going to have Han, the leader of this ship, that's sinking. We should have and... put him in a fucking submarine. <laughs> Jesus. Never mind. I... Okay, whatever. We can't, we can't get too crazy here. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sure he's a great I'm sure he's a good person but not you think as... Rick, you think Rick Hahn could swim probably not and a mile and a half underneath the surface definitely not okay definitely not but I'm not gonna wish that mortality upon him um, I just don't want him to be my uh, my GM in the front office but cheers to you Han. It's uh, what, a six-one game here. Justin, do you have any final thoughts um, for the show tonight? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, the last time we did one of these live game casts, we had Eric from Ray Shoot join on, and we got destroyed by Danny Jansen and Whit Merrifield. Now, the culprits are different. Now, we're looking at Ezekiel Durant and Jonah Hine. So the White Sox are getting killed by the bottom of every team's order. It is sickening to me. And then the next frame, the bottom of the six, this was probably because I was looking at, I was watching this while we were recording. Elvis Andrews led off the frame with a walk. 
Down by five runs, Zach Remillard bunts him to second with Sebi Zavala on deck. What type of fucking baseball are you people playing? Never. Thank you. No way. That's all I got to say, Gonzo. Like, I've used up all of my energy for the show tonight. It was a blast. Good to be back on my government name. But, God. Yeah, God. Before, we, before we end this, Tauki Tosant is on the mound to start the sixth inning that recently acquired free agent that Han picked up, um, added to the 40th man roster. And now we're seeing what he can do on the mountain tonight as he throws a curveball into the right, right hand batter's batter box to a lefty. Um, yeah, this sounds about right with how this is going to go. Um, Jay, Sox are down six to one. It's likely that the Rangers are going to win it tonight. Um, had a blast with you. And next week we're going to have another show um, to be determined on guests going to be with us or fans going to be with us but congratulations to russ on your signed photo we will get back to you shortly and from justin lee from me chris gonzalez we are missed by ozagian jr and slav but we will be back next week this is season one episode 15 of the blackout and thanks for watching with us